Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fertility Podcast, episode 75. I'm your host, Natalie Silverman. And if you've just discovered this podcast, I've been making it for two years now, having had fertility treatment, successful fertility treatment, and wanting to give a voice to the subject of starting a family when it doesn't go as straightforward as you'd hoped. Now, whether that's down to infertility issues or it's recurrent miscarriage, it might be secondary infertility, it might be that you've actually reached a conclusion where you're not going to be able to have a family of your own and you're looking to a surrogate or adoption. So I try to cover all issues about our route to parenthood because as much as it was a shock to me and it probably was to you, it's not as straightforward as we might have once thought it would be. Now my last episode was all about the Thunderclap campaign with the right to try hashtag that Fertility Network have been campaigning for and I hope that was of interest. I hope you got involved and if you've come to this podcast having just discovered that you need fertility treatment and this whole idea of the postcode lottery is is really prominent in in what's going on with you and, and you need a place to talk then this episode I think is going to be really relevant to you especially if you're a guy. Now I'm going to be talking to Gareth Downs who has a fertility story to share and has also set up a Facebook group which is for men to talk and I'm really keen as you'll know if you've listened to the podcast to get men talking. We had a struggle with my other half not being keen to talk having found out that the issue lay with him and that guilt that feeling of just inferiority is something that Gareth talks about that a lot of the men that I've spoken to for this podcast talk about. And if you're a guy listening, or if you know as a woman that your other half is probably going through this, do get them to listen to this podcast, or do get them to check out Gareth's page if they're not willing to give their ear to me. Because we do need to give guys more support. It's 50-50, men and women both having the issue when one in six couples are affected. That is a massive stat. And all I can do making this podcast is encourage you to listen, to talk, to not feel so alone. Don't forget, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, in Acast, in Stitcher, in Spreaker, there's loads of ways, or you can just simply sign up to thefertilitypodcast.com, which is my website. For now though, let's catch up with Gareth. I'm now going to welcome to the podcast Gareth Downs, who is somebody that I have had on my virtual radar as a fertility warrior who I've been keen to talk to. When it comes to male factor, I'm always keen to get men talking. And Gareth is also keen and is being really active about it. So Gareth, welcome to the podcast. No, thank you. Let's just start with where you're at. What started you off on a, a fertility journey that meant things weren't going to be as straightforward as you'd maybe hoped? So for us it was about eight years ago. I uh, had some issues back when I was 18 when I had some testicular lumps removed. I was, was told it wouldn't be a problem. It was always one side that was an issue but as it sticks in the back of your mind it may not be quite so straightforward to conceive naturally so I was open with my then partner fiance and um, we were trying for about 18 months uh, with no success and then after the initial sort of test sperm, sperm samples and things, uh, the, the diagnosis of azoospermia was given to me of absence of any sperm. So it was pretty clear from that point that it was only going to be via fertility treatment and uh, medical help and donor, uh, which we were going to be able to conceive a family. So that led us down to finding funding, self-funding, because we were outside of NHS criteria. We ended up with a total of nine fertility cycles. We had six IUIs, a mixture of stimulated and natural, uh, three IVFs, one fresh, two frozen, 
one of them was funded the other two we, we paid for and eventually it did, did end up with a, a little boy for us who came last may so oh, um, sort news. of stuck it through and um <laughs> saw it through but it was it was eight years we we had uh, four miscarriages during the process so we we sort of had a bit of the ups and downs of all of it really and each time were you using donor sperm yes we we had no option we had to change donors part way through when the the law changed on a sibling produced by donor being able to contact the father there was a huge drought in donors available a lot of people didn't like the idea so it went from a uk sperm bank to a european just where there was slightly more choice but there was still only four choices for us so (laughs) it got as close as you could with what was available the character matches that you wanted but yeah it was it was donor every time and how was that process i mean i don't know much about it but i know that you can pick all sorts you just talked about some of the characteristics the pair of you sitting together was it was it quite united or was it surprising i think for us the, the biggest surprise was the lack of choice i think in your head you think there must be so many donors across the country that you can be relatively picky but the clinic were pretty clear at giving us accurate advice and actually don't be surprised if you've got to come back month and month again to find a character that vaguely reflects what you're after and the, I mean the information is very limited it's high height air, eye color hair color rough weight and what they do as a profession and that's as much information as we had available so you just have to pick the best that you think would but for, for us it was trying to make them reflect my image as much as we could so a Nordic um, the, a Nordic scientist yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's as vague as it could be, really. Um, it was a whole lot to chance. <laughs> Obviously, you've had a positive outcome with your fertility journey, but along the way, and you have to have uh, implications counselling when you're using a donor. How did you find that access to support? It's difficult. I think as, as a man, the, the, the support was available in offer, but in reality, wasn't that easy to get to. So um, they, they had a counsellor at the clinic. The only mandatory support we had to go through was an initial chat before we went through donor to make sure we were both happy with the decision to go ahead with donor but after that one there was no other mandated support so being a man the easiest thing to do was to say nothing and just go with it and bottle everything up which is exactly what caused a lot of issues down the line as we went on through because the miscarriages brought another financial stress into it um, job changes and things so there, there was there was a whole load of things that had I have used the support available to me um i probably could have dealt with a lot better but i i just basically couldn't face it the thought of walking in saying to someone that i needed help and um i, I already felt a, a fair inferiority to everything with it being my my fault as i saw it um the, the thought of going through counseling that with it wasn't wasn't a viable option for me to take up on but you've probably just summed up most men's feelings. I mean, I know my husband felt pretty similar and was more than reluctant to say anything, therefore didn't. Yeah. Did you talk much with your partner or did you just put on a brave face? Yeah, not not, not enough. I think the, the biggest issue for, for me and speaking to others now post-treatment um, seems to be a lot is you, you don't want them to feel like it's their fault or there's an issue with things i think there's a, there's a huge amount to try and be the rock the support um you know they're physically going through it all so the last thing you want is to uh, be the negative one and add even more worries to it so for me it was just try and be the brave face the positive outcome and if if my wife saw that i wasn't coping with it how would she handle that and it, to me it was it wasn't an option i just had to brave face it and carry on I, I think she would have rather i was just actually open honest and spoke but um it, it took me seven and a half years to be strong enough to be able to actually speak up and and look for that help but we learn 
and we, we, we then move on and we do hopefully positive things and like I'm doing this podcast you're now running a men only Facebook group so talk to me about that it, it came just before the the last cycle for us so we we had come to the conclusion that I think a lot a lot of couples eventually reached that we we were out of money we were out of years of trying and the, the heartache and the, the pain of everything was was too much and we we'd had the first fresh cycle we, we and we had one frozen so in, in the back of of my wife's mind the last cycle we had was with the the worst graded embryos therefore the lowest chance if the best hadn't worked the last chance wasn't going to work so we hit a fork where for the first time my wife wasn't the one definitely pushing to go ahead she was sort of saying oh, I've had enough I've been through enough um, and in my mind I thought we've come this far to, to not use the last of the frozen embryos that we have I think would leave a massive question mark maybe not in the next few years but definitely 20 30 years down the line that the what ifs might be too great to to ignore so um i wanted somewhere to go and talk and just try and see if anyone else had been through this it was it was the opposite reverse and again that the physical approach into somewhere wasn't something i was comfortable to do so i tried to look for some online support um, my wife had quite a lot of success with the the online pages but they're predominantly female orientated um so she said to me why don't you just start your own she says i have a men page um, you can say what you want to who you want and try and voice it. So um, that, that's what we did. We, we, we set up a, a closed group that people could find, but no one could see who was in it and what the posts were and, and keep it completely locked down for, for public, thinking that might be a, a safe place for me to talk then because no one else could see what I'm posting, what I'm saying, um, and then see who joined. And there, there was a few of us at first, and gradually more and more people found it to uh, a few hundred that we've got today that, that use it frequently to to talk and communicate with. Now, I'm really aware of it being private and not wanting to affect that in any way, but I'm interested to know how the trickle started. As far as the search terms that you were using, were they pretty obvious? Yeah, I, I mean, men and infertility were in the, the search. We, we actually put a couple of posts on some of the more mainstream Facebook sites. Uh, a couple of the group admins weren't that happy thinking it was, they said, oh, it's a, now if men want to talk, they can talk here. I think without grasping that we, we won't talk if there's a female presence through all, all different reasons, but mainly for not wanting to upset the partners. And But a, a few cotton on and such, I think my husband will benefit. And I think some of the, the core members that became admins on the page and things and still quite close with um, were, were husbands of wives that were on the page and the the other half said look come on there's there's now this page why don't you why don't you log in um so i think that was where the first bit came and then we've tweaked the name of the group several times just to try and make it more accessible and then through media things i've done several things with fertility network uh, a couple of bbc things and uh, a bit on the radio so each time you do a big media push you, you manage to find that a few more people find the link a few more people find the page um and so slowly slowly we're, we're getting the word out there that there is support so we can put the link to the page on the show notes for this episode. Yeah, indeed. Cool. Yep, no problem. So anyone anyone can click it and then it's an admin approval. So okay. we, we do just vet through and make sure it's a, a man asking to join and yeah. um, uh, approve and go. And yeah, it's been, been successful so far that way. Well, we'll do that. And then maybe you Thank could you. put a post on the Fertility Podcast Facebook page as well. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. And we can just, Good. again, get the kind of focus on it. You mentioned a few media activities you've been doing. You also 
involved in the Hidden Faces campaign with Fertility Network UK, which I'd like as well to put your video on the show notes. Yeah, no problem. Because the videos are so moving and there's such a variety of stories and, and I'm I'm keen to know what that was like, sat looking at a camera. I mean, Tom, who I know you've got a friendship with now, Tom Webb, said that how privileged he felt being on the other side of the camera, but also I think he was quite surprised at how relaxed people became. And, and, and I experience it, I think, when people talk to me on this podcast about their stories. I think when you've got to a point where you're willing to talk about it, it does become quite cathartic talking about it would would you say that's a, a a fair way to sum it up it is yes indeed i think that when when you start talking you start to accept and it, it's odd to think that i've gone through nearly eight years probably without fully accepting what it was what was going on um and oddly through the the facebook page and the media things off the back of it the the thought of helping others makes it a lot easier to come to the terms of it and think as, as bad as this is everything we've been through we might be able to help someone else um that you know might, there might be something good that can come out of this um, so that that's really driven myself and my wife. She's done several media things just to to try and get the awareness, get the opening up, and uh, you basically just don't want anyone else to feel as alone as you did through it. And as much as it's easy for people to say, it's it's such a lonely place that we we just want to try and make it less taboo, make it more accessible for people, and and realise it's it's okay. You, you can talk. You you're not alone going through it. You're a part of the Easy Bit documentary with Tom as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so that was a, a unique filming experience again up there. Very, very similar to the Hidden Faces campaign of just a, a small room and a camera to look down into. And um, I think Tom Tom cracked it when he said it, it, it does make it takes the, the personality bit away. Although you've got a voice asking you questions, you're you're talking to a completely inanimate object, so you can you can really start to to talk what you're thinking as opposed to thinking you're talking to someone. It was um, yeah, it was a really good way to to get the recording done considering where you are now you've got a little one and you've got your facebook group and you can see the benefit it's having to others what would you say to yourself eight years ago with the with the wisdom that you know now about your fertility journey oh it's a, i just should have i should have seeked the help when it was there you know there's there's avenues if you find it if not you can make it in today's world and um yeah i think that the, the you've got to accept that it's not your fault um a, a lot of a lot of men i think blame themselves if it's male factor and fertility i think even if it's female they think they, they're pretty helpless to do things um and i think it's it's felt it's not normally the man thing to do is talk and open up but it, it really does even if you can do it to a someone that you don't know the, the beauty of the site is you can speak to people in america and new zealand and people you're never going to bump into um or, or find someone with the same condition that's been through the same road it, it just takes a load of the isolation out of it so after going through seven years thinking oh, the only one i know that's gone through this and has had this particular road um you, you can just sort of open your world up a bit and it, it just makes you feel a lot more supported than what you did prior to meeting them which has been a great help and just to reiterate, it is men only. And, and I know from previous chats I've done on this podcast with Dr. Esme Hanna about her research into men talking online, as much as it's a shame that we can't all join in and help each other, yeah. I, I completely understand. And I think there are certain scenarios, as you'll agree, that you just want to not have the input of the opposite sex, I suppose, because you yeah. want to just see if you can maybe say it what's and all. It, it, yeah, I think that that's probably the most accurate way. I mean, we, we, we have had some negativity of, I mean, if, if we get, I mean, we probably weekly get female requests and we, we always, if we if we have to decline a, a request, we just send a message and, and explain the reasons why we are what we are. And in the world of equality, it, it does sound a little backwards and it's, you know, we just want to get across it. It's, 
it's purely because it's the only way it will work um you know if, if we if we could talk openly to women fantastic um there wouldn't be a need for it but i think that the reality shows a lot of people just don't want to hurt their other halves it's, it's meant in the nicest way that some of the vents we need and we get frustrated and that we we know could come across worse than they are it's and um you just need to say it as it is as you say warts and all sometimes without wanting to cause further stress and upset on your half or let them know really how upset you are with things because i think some of you needs to be the rock and needs to have that level shoulder and if you both break down then there's no real <laughs> strength there to, to carry on in some of the, the darkest times so um I, I think it was important how handled things but it would have been nice to have had a scapegoat and every now and again just said what i needed to say at the same time well gareth keep up the good work and thank you thank you for chatting i'm glad i got to talk to you and like i say we'll put a link to the facebook page on the show notes for this episode along with your hidden faces video and your twitter handle and anything else that you'd like to share um so people can find you is it quite time consuming managing the facebook page Uh, it's not too bad there is a team of of admins that sort of look over it and we've we've had to go in sort of time zones i've some across because you get requests in at various times of night from other sides of the world so it's i mean most of it's just making sure someone always gets an answer um if they if they've got a question if they've got a feeling we don't want them to post and not have someone acknowledge what they're saying but it, it's not it's it so the, the the enjoyable bit out of it is knowing that you're doing something positive from something that is is one of the hardest things we've ever gone through and if you can if you can help someone else it, it does just bring a whole load more meaning to to what you've suffered with and if you can just break down some of that isolation it's a, it's a really rewarding thing to do definitely definitely well look, i'm gonna let you go lovely to chat thank you and, and you thank you very much for your time keep in touch definitely yeah we'll do care. all right gareth thank, thank, you, thank you thank you bye so it was great to talk to gareth and the show notes for this episode are simply the fertilitypodcast.com forward slash gareth and on there i will put a link to gareth's twitter i'll put a link to the facebook page i'll put the hidden faces campaign that he appeared in and i just want to reiterate please do share this share it with guys that you think need to talk if you're a guy listening I'd be really interested to know how you're feeling. If you're happy to share your story, you can be anonymous because we need a united front on this to get more gents talking and and just sharing how they feel because it's an education for us ladies as well. If you're in a same-sex relationship and you're going through this kind of stuff with your own fertility journey, again, hopefully, you know, this kind of forum can help you as well. Now, before I go, one more thing just to let you know about because you can become a patron of the fertility podcast and it's very simply going to patreon.com forward slash the fertility podcast or to make it even easier i will put a link to the patron page on the show notes for this episode which are again the fertilitypodcast.com forward slash gareth because i make this podcast out of love basically it is time consuming and at the moment it is just me making it for you and uh, the patron page is a way that you can just show your support if if you feel that you know you've got value from what I've produced so far now I am having some really great chats actually with people who are going to come on board and hopefully sponsor the podcast you might have noticed that 
I am carrying adverts. And again, that's a way to try and build a little bit of a pot, a little money pot to keep this podcast growing. And hopefully soon you'll be hearing some sponsors messages as well, which I hope you don't mind. If you listen to podcasts, you'll know that that's kind of how they go. And I hope that doesn't detract from the information that you're getting and the help that you feel this podcast is giving you. But as always, I really always welcome your feedback because this podcast is for you ultimately. So any thoughts, share them. Natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com. Take care. And until the next time, 